You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why ProPlan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. Welcome to the Ducks Unlimited podcast, the only podcast about all things waterfowl. From hunting insights to science-based discussions about ducks, geese, and issues affecting waterfowl and wetlands conservation in North America, we bring the resource to you. The DU Podcast with your hosts, Chris Jennings and Dr. Mike Brazier. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Ducks Unlimited Podcast. Thanks for joining us here today. I'm your co-host, Mike Brazier, and joining me here in studio is my co-host, Chris Jennings. Chris, how are you? Excellent. And today we have a really special episode, probably one of our, what will end up being one of our favorite. We have a, a very special guest in studio with us, a bona fide celebrity in the outdoor <laughs> world, among the outdoor community, and really, even, and really even beyond. Our guest today is America's most recognizable angler, Bill Dance. Bill, Thank you, Mike. Great to have you here. Thanks for joining Thank, us. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Chris. And before we before we kind of get into some of the questions that we have for you today, I just I'll I'll take a moment to say thank you for what all you've done for the outdoor community, the angling community, like I'm sure like Chris, like so many other people across the country, you were a part of of our childhood or our adulthood even. We had somebody recognize you and your signature Tennessee hat just in the hallway a moment ago and came and had introduced themselves to you. And thank you for being part of their lives. And I'm sure you get that a lot. But I just wanted to say, you know, thank you for for everything that you've done. We'll talk about how you continue to serve the angling and outdoor community as we get into our questions. But one story that I'll I'll share with you here is I was at the Bass Pro World's Fishing Fair a couple of weeks ago. I know you were there as well. I came downstairs in my hotel room the first first day and look over into the breakfast area, and I recognize you with your signature Tennessee hat. <laughs> I didn't I didn't come over and interrupt you. You were having breakfast with some folks there, but the first thing that I did whenever I went outside was sent a text to a lot of my buddies and said, hey, guess who's here? <laughs> there was Bill Dance. And so it was just cool to be able to share that. And it brought back so many memories of of my childhood watching you on TV. So my personal thanks. I'm sure Chris yeah. has many stories. Yeah, his absolutely. As well. No, I, it was funny. Last night I was grilling dinner for my family and I, I was talking to my mom on the phone and I grew up in Indiana and pretty, very outdoorsy. You know, we, my parents had, they gave us, you know, a lot of flexibility and their only question was, Hey, you know, if you're going to leave the house or go anywhere on your bike, go fishing, you just have to write us a note. So I'm like 10, 11 years old. And she even said, she wasn't really sure how old I was, but I would write a note and be like, mom, riding the bike over here, going fishing. And she said, I would sign all of my notes. Bill Dance. <laughs> so, I thought that was pretty I didn't cool. Know that. Yeah, my mom just reminded me of that last night. She's like, honestly, she's like, I think I can find, I can find those notes that you wrote it out. Like, mom, going over, you know, to Williams to ride bikes. Bill Dance. Like, <laughs> so that's that's pretty special. So I mean, the original author of the song, Bill Dance, and I only want to be like Bill Dance. Yeah, so yeah I think okay. I think there's a lot of us in this generation that grew up, you know, really, um, who were really in the outdoors, and and you probably were a pivotal you know, monumental moment for a person for all of outdoorsmen now, because we grew up, you know, watching you do this and, and, and really, you know, like 
the employee, do you employee in the hallway that just walked past and was like, oh, that's Bill Dance. He had to stop and shake your hand. And he even said, I still kiss my fish, you know? And so it's, it's things like that that just makes this, you know, just such a cool moment for me and Mike, obviously. So do you ever get tired of hearing those stories, yeah. about hearing people thank you and, and hearing the stories of what you meant to them in their childhood? Oh, absolutely not. I mean, I love to hear them. I really do. I can relate back to those, uh, you know, I think we all have, um, people that we look up to and, uh, I, I know I do. And, um, to hear stories about the past, uh, you know, I, I appreciate that. I really do. Uh, I hear uh, I hear it from writers. I hear it from just uh, at a service station. I hear it in a restaurant. I hear it, I, you know, walks of life, you know, and I and I appreciate that. I really do. I take the time to listen to them, too. You know, you, it's almost as though you're reading some of our notes here that we, we mm-hmm. have in terms of our questions because you started to hit on the very first thing that we wanted to ask is— who were who were the people that influenced you growing up uh, in terms of your path to fishing the outdoors? Who were those people in in your life? Well, you know, I was blessed uh, as a youngster growing up. I had a daddy and a granddaddy that gave me the greatest gift of all, and that was introducing me to this great sport that we call fishing. Uh, People ask me, "Did you ever do any hunting?" Yes, I did a lot of hunting. Uh, I had certain types of uh, uh, things that I enjoyed hunting. I was an avid squirrel hunter. I used mm-hmm. to love to squirrel hunt. Did you ever duck hunt? Yes, I was an avid avid duck hunter. Uh, but I spent uh, a lot of time, uh, more so the challenge. The challenge was in squirrel hunting. I loved to squirrel hunt and uh, with a rifle. Uh, and I started fishing with my grandfather. And my grandfather was a doctor. My daddy was a doctor. My granddaddy was a doctor. My great-granddaddy, for five generations back, were all doctors. And my grand, my granddaddy was uh, taught me a little bit about techniques, but he taught me more about anatomy, fish anatomy, how fish see, how fish hear. Uh, and that helped me tremendously as I grew older. And I began to practice that as I fished, and I remember things that I would see, things that I would do, fish that I would catch, and I would relate that back to something that he told me. Uh, And I said, well, you know, that's something he said about sight. That's something he said about hearing. And I remember the very first bass I ever caught. And when I caught that fish, it changed my whole direction in life. Uh, It is a great story uh, that... uh, I'll share with you a little bit later if you want to because it's it, it takes a minute or so to tell. But uh, uh, that one fish, it did change my whole direction in life. But when I was catching that fish, the things about it uh, pertain to anatomy. And, and those thoughts of what he had taught me were flashing through my mind as I was catching that fish. I was seven years old when I caught my biggest bass, my biggest largemouth. But... My grandfather, my granddaddy, that's what I call him, granddaddy. I didn't call him grandfather or or I call him granddaddy. But uh, he was my mentor. And uh, I had a writer ask me not long ago, he said, if you could go to dinner tomorrow night with three people, who would they be? And I said, uh, well, there's no question in my mind who they'd be. It would be my granddaddy. It would be the Pope and it would be Billy Graham. Those three, three people I'd look up to right now, and I would just love to go to dinner with all three of them, especially my granddaddy. And uh, those, uh, that one person uh, was very, very special in my life. He uh, took the time to take me fishing. My daddy was more of a hunter, a skeet shooter. 
he fished, but nothing like my granddaddy. I spent a lot of time in Middle Tennessee with my grandfather wading the creeks and moving water. And that's still today my favorite form of fishing is moving water. But uh, to answer the question, um, the one person, my mentor was my granddaddy. That's pretty cool. There's a number of aspects of that story that resonate with with some of the things that we've talked about on, on previous episodes where people hunt and they try to understand the ecology of the bird and, and understand habitat requirements and so forth. And it sounds like you were a pretty cerebral fisherman from a very early age thinking about the anatomy of the fish. And, and I'm, I'm quite certain you applied that to help yourself be a bit more successful. Uh, your reference to your granddaddy influencing influencing you i'm i'm sure we many people listening to this share that same story in one way or another and i would my my family would never let me live this down if i didn't share that while your granddaddy was a sounds like a bass fisherman mine was a catfish fisherman <laughs> and his favorite bait was catfish charlie now it worked great but it always got caked up on the reels and on the <laughs> handles so we tell stories and laugh all the time about how yeah it's great to go fishing with him, but you'd have to you'd have to mess with the, the Catfish Charlie. Were you a big Catfish Charlie fan? Well, back then, I fished when the creek got muddy. I would fish with, my grandmother had a big hen yard, and um, she, they, they were country people over in Lynchburg, Tennessee. That's where I spent most of my time. And my grandmother would, uh, she'd prepare chicken, and the entrails, mm -hmm. I, that's yep. what I used. Okay. And yep. uh We'd, I'd use it for catfish bait. And when the creek got muddy, I would head for the creek, and it seemed like that was the best time to catch catfish in the creek. And when the creek was clear, I'd fish for smallmouth, or what we call black perch, was mm. a, a rock bass. Yeah. But uh, I, I, we came with a product uh, for Bass Pro, uh, a catfish bait. Uh, it was an organic-type bait similar to... Uh, the product you mentioned, Captain yeah. Charlie, yeah. and uh, which was an excellent bait. They sold a lot of that that product. I never fished with that product, but I fished with similar type products. Yeah. But um, the, back in those early days, uh, uh, you know, it relates back to the early days. We didn't have Bass Pro Shops. We didn't have academies. We didn't have – the only place you could buy fishing tackle was hardware stores. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You bought your terminal tackle there, and you bought – they had a few – they had a few fishing lures, and that's where I I found my first fishing lure. That's where I, I caught my first fish on. But uh, there were uh, you didn't have those type prepared baits back in those days, so you had to go out and catch grasshoppers, or you had to go find weed worms, or you had to find catawba worms, or you had to use like my grandmother would clean a chicken, and she would save me the the inside parts yep. yeah and uh, good that's stuff. what i that's what i'd use for catfish baits but i did fish i did fish catfish my, but my granddaddy he was a more of a bluegill and a shellcracker uh red air fisherman uh and he'd fish worms and stuff yeah but but i i, I fished for bass mostly on the creeks yeah. wading the creeks and just hearing how you know you talk about that how in there was very little you know tackle in some of these old hardware stores, you know, and now do you ever walk into a Bass Pro and just look at those walls of lures that are all signed, oh, build dance, absolutely. and just kind of be blown away by <laughs> oh, that? I've, I mean, got, it's I've like, got some of those old baits, yeah. and um, I, I remember where Johnny got, uh, Johnny Morris, uh, founder of Bass Pro, where he got several of those major collections. One, A friend of mine from South Haven, mm -hmm. or White Haven, uh, Clyde Harbin, had a tremendous 
tremendous collection of old baits. And I mentioned to Clyde one time, he wanted to get rid of this, his major collection. And I'm telling you, he had a collection. In fact, I gave Clyde several old, old baits years and years ago. And he was in our first bass club. And Clyde said, I'm fixing to get rid of some of these or sell them or do something. And I said, wait a minute, I know somebody that might want them. And it was Johnny Mars. And if you'll go to the first Bass Pro in Memphis on the, over on Macon, mm-hmm. you'll see some of those lures. And Johnny gave Clyde, Clyde Arthur Harbin credit from that collection. But he gave his collection to Bass Pro. Yeah. And Johnny's got, yeah, I've seen a lot of those old-timey yeah. baits. Nice. In fact, I'll do promotion meet and greets. And a lot of times people will come up to me and say, I want you to have this. Can you sign this lure and I want you to have one? They'll have two of them. They'll yeah. give me one. And, That's cool. Uh, so I've got a lot of those old-timey baits. And surprisingly, today, fish will bite those baits. They don't. A five-pound oh, yeah. bass doesn't know about a bait that was made 30 years yeah, ago or right. discontinued, discontinued. Let me tell you this story. Um, it was a hardware store in Lynchburg, Tennessee called Motlow Hardware. And I would go in there I'd, on the square, and my grandmother's granddaddy lived a stone's throw from the square in a stone throw from Mulberry Creek. And I would go in there, and the guy that ran the store, his name was Tosh. Everybody called him Tosh. The guy that owned it was Connor Motlow. Connor Motlow owned the hardware store. His brother Hap owned the bank. Regor Motlow ran Jack Daniels Distillery. (laughs) Moore County, Port Lynchburg, was a dry county. But the Motlows, uh, great people. I didn't met them all when I was a youngster. But Connor had the hardware store. And I would go in there, and Tosh, under a glass counter, had about a half a dozen lures. And there was one particular lure that caught my eye. Sold for 75 cents. Today, that lure is still made and sells for around $6. And I'd look at it, and Tosh would take it out and put it on the counter. And I can I touch it? And he'd take it out, and he'd hand it to me. And I'd look at it. He'd put it back in the counter. Well, one day, this had been going on for a couple of months. Every time I'd go, I spent many, many, many days with my grandparents. One day, Grandmother said, your granddaddy's going lake fishing today, this afternoon. Small towns would close a half a day through the week at dinner time. That was lunch, noon. We'd have dinner at noon, and we'd have supper in the evening. She said, after dinner today, he's going lake fishing, not going to the creek. I said, we're going lake fishing. She said, yeah. I went, oh, my goodness. She said, what is it? I said, oh, nothing. My grandmother could read my mind like that. She reached in her apron. She pulled out a handkerchief. It had a couple of knots in it. She kept her change in that that handkerchief. And she took three quarters out, and she gave them to me. And she said, get up to the square and and get you that, that whatever you call that bait. And quicker than a minute could jump a dipper. (laughs) I was up to the square, ran in. I told Tosh, I said, Tosh. I got three quarters. He reached in and he said, I've been hiding that bait. <laughs> I knew one day you wanted it. And he handed it to me. And I threw those three quarters on the counter. And I was back at the house. And I had a little old metal rod, a little little wine reel, 
with braided line on it and a little section of cat gut, which we call monofilament today. And I tied that bait on. We jumped in the car. Grandmother threw her quilt in. She'd always sit on under a shade tree and crochet. Granddaddy would throw out two rods, the sinker on it with red worms on it, and he'd red ear fish. Well, I had this rod with this little lure on it, and that bait is called an Arbogast jitterbug. I was getting ready to ask if it was a I jitterbug. It, I was it, almost it was, said that. That's funny. <laughs> it was a frog-colored jitterbug. That bait is still made today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 34 years. Wow. When I had, had the bait, 34 years. I took that bait and I scooted down out on a point, Cumberland Springs Lake, halfway between Lynchburg and Tullahoma, Tennessee, a spring fed lake. That day changed my whole direction in life. And I eased out to some yucca plants, bushes, and I looked, and to, to my right, I saw two fish swimming along a bass about two pounds and one about a pound. And I turned and I took this little metal rod and I made wicky, 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 tried to make several false casts and I fired that jitterbug out and I made a pretty good cast. It landed about 20 feet from where I wanted it to go. But when it hit the water, both fish stopped instantly. And my first thought, what my granddaddy taught me about how fish hear, I said, the fish heard that bait. They heard that bait hit the water, and I went. At the, if you remember, they had that big metal lip on it. He went, mm-hmm. oh, 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 yeah. oh, 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 it wobbled on the surface. I started reeling it, and both fish turned in the direction of the bait. And I said, they hear, they heard that bait. They can't see it. They heard it. Not at twenty feet. They can't hear it. They can't see it, but they can hear it. And they started moving in the direction of the sound. And I said, they're picking it up. The lateral line on their body is like that of a sounding board. And these are things my granddaddy taught me about anatomy. And I said, I stopped the bait, and they stopped. I started to move the bait. They started to move. I stopped. They stopped. I started. They started. And they kept getting closer to the bait. And I don't know if I could hear the bait or it was my heart going, dum, 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 dum. <laughs> and I was so excited at seven years old. Here's this new bait, and here's these two fish, and witnessing this. It, it was just the biggest thrill of my life at that moment. And I kept moving it. And all these thoughts, Granddaddy said, I always wait up the creek where the debris and the, the off-colored water gravel would float downstream. And he always said, never drink the water below a cattle crossing. I always remember that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you always remember yeah, that. always That's, remember that. Yeah. But these are little thoughts. Just all these things were flashing through my mind. So I started again. By now, the fish were about 10 feet from the bait. And I started to move it a little faster, and they moved closer. He said, the biggest fish is always the dominant one. And now they were about six feet of the bait, and I stopped it. I twitched it, and I could watch them flinch and get closer. And as I started the bait again, the two-pounder just out of note just blasted the bait. And the pounder tried to go with it and tried to eat it too. They were both fighting for the bait. And I started reeling this little funky reel and little (laughs) funky rod I had, which was state-of-the-art. Yeah. And I I started reeling it, and it was the most exciting thing. What I had just witnessed, a fish hitting a piece of plastic, a phony, a fake, a, a fake frog with a big piece of metal on it and two treble hooks. 
And I created life there. And, and, and here I am making this fish hit something so phony, <laughs> t- creating life to this. Now I'm taking him out of his world and, and hopefully bringing him into my world. And this was just the most spectacular moment I'd ever experienced. And I, you, I, I'm living it right now, and I've got goosebumps on my yeah, arm. Because awesome. I've I relived this thing. I'm seven years, I was seven years old. And that's been 20 years ago. But <laughs> I wish it was. But anyway, I'm reeling it. And I got him about two-thirds of the way to the bank, and I couldn't take it anymore. I just threw the rod down, and I grabbed the line, and I just well-roped him right in. <laughs> yeah. And I got him, took the bait, and I ran like, man, I, I ran like a rabbit. Just pew, through the, all these bushes, and I ran up to my granddaddy. He said, what's wrong? What's wrong? My grandmother went. She almost stuck a crochet needle through her hand. She said, what's wrong? I said, look, look, look what I caught. Look what I caught. My granddaddy says, my goodness. That's a big bass. That's a, and he said, let me have it. I said, what are you going to do with it? And I said, Grandmother, wrap it up in that quilt and sit on it. She said, no, no. <laughs> and Granddaddy put it on his stringer. He said, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. We'll take it home. We didn't have cell phones mm-hmm. or yep. point-and-shoot point and cameras. But we took it home. And uh, I took. they took a picture of it. I still have that picture to this day. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but that fish changed. You know, it's funny in life. It's funny how someone will say something to you or something you do in life that can change your whole direction in life. It's just, it's just, it's funny. Mm-hmm. It's something you see, something someone says, something that's something that happens to you in the spur of the moment that can change your whole direction in life. That fish, that largemouth bass changed my whole direction in life. I know without question, I wouldn't be doing what, Bill Dance would not be doing what he's doing today had it not been for that jitterbug going to Cumberland Springs Lake, having a granddaddy that took the time. You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why Pro Plan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. to take me fishing and catching that catching that bass. I know. I won't be, I won't be sitting here with you two yeah. right now. With Mike and Chris here at Ducks Unlimited, I would not be here today had it not been for that fish. That's pretty awesome. I really thought that that story was going to, something, I had a similar experience where, well, like, wanted this lure, wanted this lure. Finally, like, my dad got me this lure, and it was like a big jerk bait of some kind that I didn't have any business <laughs> yeah. throwing at eight years old. And I remember getting it out and going the first time, you know, in a rowboat at one of our lakes in Indiana and get out there and just chuck this thing and just stick it about 40 feet up in a tree. <laughs> <laughs> my, my dad's like, yep, learn that lesson. <laughs> that's why, for some reason, I thought that that's the direction your story was going to go, but yours was even way better than mine so but that, that was a probably pivotal probably a pivotal moment that was for you also too, a pivotal moment for me it's like <laughs> i gotta learn how to cast <laughs> if i'm gonna throw this lure well i tell you what those are just things that just that happen in your life that, yeah. that can have a major effect on you mm-hmm. so that yeah you're exactly right bill we've talked about that with uh, i think they've asked me that question i don't know if chris mm-hmm. we've talked to you about it and some of our other guests that we have on the on the episodes about what was it? It Was there a single moment? Was there an experience that led you down a certain career path? I know I have that. I know we all do in some way or another. And, and so it's pretty cool that one of the questions that, that 
a lot of our guests get is, do you remember the first duck you killed? And now you're talking about the very first, you remember the very first fish you caught yeah. and the significant influence it had on your life. That's that's pretty cool there. And thank you for sharing that story. We do have a, a number of questions that we sure. want to get to with some kind of limited time here. Chris, we'll, we'll skip over the, the, we were going to ask you about kind of the early days of sure. starting the fishing show, things of that nature. I can talk fast. Okay. <laughs> and so I guess just from from that standpoint, whenever you first started that show, did you what was going through your mind? How much uncertainty did you have at that time about the success you would likely have? You were already a really accomplished angler, professional mm-hmm. fisherman at that time, right? Well, you know, I was working for a tackle company in uh Hot Springs, Arkansas. And I had I had I'd been working for a company in Texas and I had the idea if I could do it for Nick the guy that invented the plastic worm, Nick Cream. And Nick was a great one, a great, just a great, great guy. And I went to Nick and I said, Nick, I think I can do this on my own. And he said, I figured that day would come. But you see that door right there? He said, it swings both ways. If it doesn't work out, Bill, come back. And my dream was to always go to work for a lure company. And I had that opportunity. After winning several national bass tournaments, I was offered a job with three lure companies. One was Hidden. One was Bagley Bait Company in Texas, or in Florida, and one was Nick uh, Kremler Company in, in Texas. And fishing plastic worms so much, we accepted the job. Diane and I accepted the job in uh, Texas. But after a couple of years working with Nick, taking riders fishing, taking uh, buyers fishing, and entertaining them and showing them how to fish plastic worms, I got to thinking, well, I can do this myself. Well, I tried it. And uh, it um, it was just tough. And I was still trying to fish tournaments. And finally, I went to work for a, a lure company, Cordell Lure Company in Hot Springs. And Cotton was a great, great guy. He uh, made a lot of great fishing lures back in those days. And he came to me and he said, we need to do a fishing show. And I said, well, who are we going to get to do it? He said, you. <laughs> and I said, Cotton, me doing a fishing show is like, Television is like pouring perfume on a pig. I said, I can't even spell television. He said, well, you better learn how because uh, I think you can do it. Well, I'd been working with a fellow named Jerry McKinnis, and Jerry started in southern Indiana, up your way, Chris, Mm -hmm. called The Fishing Hole, and I was working a lot with Jerry. Jerry went on to ESPN, eventually bought BASS Bass, Mm -hmm. and Jerry... uh, I probably wouldn't be doing TV uh, to the degree I'm doing had it not been for Jerry. But we started. He he gave me taught me a lot about it, and I did it. Started, and I started in the Memphis market, and I went to our CBS affiliate and the programming said it'll never go in Memphis. And then I went to our NBC affiliate and they said it'll never go, and I was pretty discouraged. And Diane said why don't you try the ABC affiliate? They're sports-minded. So I went to our ABC affiliate, WHBQ, and programming, like fishing. The director said, I used to do a local show at WBBJ in Jackson. Let's try it. So we did. And I, I had learned about shooting a little bit with a camera, a Canon Scoopic. It was very easy to use. And I learned... Uh, a little bit about editing, 16-millimeter film. And I, I was scripting my shows. 
and it was all no sound. And we set up locally uh, with HBQ. We started a local show. We got a local sponsor, and we were off and running. And then a station in Jackson, their sister station, said, would you do one for us? And I said, sure. And then another station in Jackson, or Baton Rouge, WBBJ Channel 2, another ABC affiliate said, do one for us? And I said, sure. And then a station in Paducah, Kentucky, said, how about doing one for us? And I said, okay. Well, I didn't realize what I was biting. I was still fishing bass tournaments, still had a family. I was running up and down north and south, passing myself, fishing tournaments, um, still doing PR work for cotton, for Cordell, um, doing four markets, 52 weeks a year, 208 shows a year, shooting, editing, scripting. And I thought, good gracious. (laughs) Well, fast forward, uh, I finally gave my show to a good buddy of mine in Baton Rouge, Bobby Matters. Bobby took it over. I had him as a guest for about several weeks in a row, and he knew how to do it. He took it over. Uh, boy, named Neil uh, Neely down in Jackson took over my show. I gave him my show there. Dropped the show in Paducah. Continued Memphis for a short period of time. Then we syndicated with a syndicator out of uh, St. Louis. We had 50 network markets. Then we went to 90 network markets. Cable was coming on, so we moved to ESPN. We blanketed the country from Spokane to San Diego to Dallas to Miami to Raleigh to New York to Detroit to Mid-America, St. Louis to Omaha to Memphis to Atlanta to Dallas. We, we were everywhere with ESPN. Yeah. But ESPN back then, it was a great network. But demographically, we just weren't there. And uh, we rocked along with ESPN for a couple of years, two or three years. And then we moved. A network popped over up in Nashville, Tennessee called TNN, the Nashville Network. We looked at that, and it was a perfect niche. We moved to TNN. And when we moved there, boom, the demographics were perfect. They had bull riding, NASCAR. So we moved in there and we picked up Walmart. We picked up Chevrolet. We picked up Perina. And we hit a home run in a B market. Demographics were perfect. And we were, boom, we were off and running like gangbusters. We were, we were really flying. And our sponsors loved it because of Walmart and, uh, so we rocked along there for 15 years, and then Viacom, Viacom bought out, bought out uh, the yeah, T- TNN. TNN. Yeah, TNN and the Gaylord Enterprise deal. And so then we went with um, Discovery, NBC Sports, uh, Sportsman Channel, and the Outdoor Channel, and we stayed there for several years, and now uh, – Demographically, where where we're running, we're running World Fishing Network, Sportsman Channel, and the Outdoor Channel, and that's where we are now. And we run fifty-two weeks a year, um, still actively, yeah, oh yeah, recording. We, we'll, air, new shows. we'll air over a thousand times this year. Wow, yeah, and you're still traveling like you're doing. Like you mentioned, you had a saltwater show. Yeah, um, we do. We do thirty-nine original shows a year, twenty-six freshwater, and thirteen salt. 
And most of most of our saltwater shows are inshore. Mm -hmm. Now we'll go off a little bit offshore blue water, but we try to do shows that people can relate to. Yeah. Yeah. Now we started with a hunting show. Uh, we did. We had a 13-week deal, and we did eight shows way back yonder. Mm -hmm. And uh, we had squirrel, rabbit, quail, duck. Wow. Uh, we didn't do deer or turkey because there was so much of that. But we had eight shows shot, and we had Chevrolet and Perina. And I believe Campbell Leewall was the agency back then. And they said, hey, we're going to sponsor it, but we do not want to show any uh, kill shots. I said, what? <laughs> and that, that's like that's like saying, hey, see this big bass I just caught? Well, we can't show you we can't show you us catching it, but we caught it. <laughs> you know, so it, ki it killed our hunting show. That's twenty yeah. something years ago. Oh yeah. So we dropped the hunting show. Yeah. And uh, we dropped it. We 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 couldn't help but drop it because we didn't have any sponsorship. Now here's a question, and this is not on your list, Mike. So we're you know, don't get too worried. I'm not going too far <laughs> off. It's all good. Um, and this is, you know, more personal. You know, growing up watching those TNN shows and and when you guys were just really taking off, and this would have been probably late 80s, early 90s, you know, even yeah. into the mid-90s, um, you know, there was a lot of other fishing shows out there. Right. And, and so, like, we would, you know, my buddies, and we'd all go fishing, and, you know, one of my buddies, I'm more of a Hank Parker kind of guy. Oh, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, I'm more Orlando Wilson. I like, you know. Yeah, so, Roland Martin. Roland Jimmy Martin. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and that, that was my question, was at that time, when you guys were all really kind of coming onto the scene and really exploding in right. popularity, how was that relationship with them? Like, was it competitive? Oh, they're great guys. Or, they, they, hey, uh, even today, mm. in fact, uh, I talked to Hank. I think it was the day before yesterday. We're all real good friends. We, we, in fact, many of us have the same sponsors. We do stuff together. We mm -hmm. fish together. We do shows together. Yeah. If, 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 if I have a sponsor, and they're looking for something, I, I'll throw it off to uh, uh, to Jimmy or to Roland. Yeah. Or to Hank. We we try to help each other. We're we're still. We're not competitors. We're just in the same kind of business, and uh, we're all real good friends. And cool. In fact, Roland and Jimmy and I just finished working, and Hank, we just finished working a, a big promotion together two weeks ago. Yeah, that's kind of where I, I yeah. brought oh, yeah. and thought about it because oh, I knew you guys were all there together. We're the, all real good friends. Yeah, that's and, cool. And uh, we communicate together, and Jimmy's wife was real sick here, and uh we all just continued to call, and he said, "Bill, thank you so much for calling." I just talked to Hank yesterday, and Roland calls, and we, we all just share. We try to help each other, cool. and we're all good buddies. That's pretty awesome. I saw you all interacting there at the fishing fair, Bass Pro World's, World's fishing fair, and I thought that was the the other coolest thing. Not just to get to see those people from my childhood and from that it was such such an influence, but to see the way you were all interacting and getting along and we're all good friends having fun that was pretty cool uh a question sort of a, a little bit of a turn here and it relates to something that you're very well known for whenever you, you you're catching a fish or even after you've caught a fish and i'm just kind of curious where this came from your signature habit you might say of talking to the fish either as you're kind of fighting them to get them in the boat or then once you've got them one of the as chris mentioned earlier one of our co-workers here noted that they still kiss their fish in emulating one of your habits was that something that just came natural to you or was that something you added to kind of bring a, a little little additional excitement to the show well you know 
we used to do a lot of shows with entertainers and celebrities, and the the strength of Bill Dance Outdoors, I'll tell you a story there. Our show used to be Outdoors with Bill Dance. And you remember the old TV Guide magazine that used to come out? Well, I picked it up one day, and I looked at the time slot, and it said Outdoors. And I said, wait a minute. Our show's not on today. And so the next Somebody said, well, it was on. And I said, no, it was Some outdoors was on. And so I called uh, our producer, and I said, Frank, the show didn't air this week. And he said, yeah, it did. I said, at 2.30, uh, it said outdoors. And he said, well, that was us. And I said, well, I had several people tell me they, they looked for the time, and it said outdoors. It, it wasn't. They were looking for and Bill Dance. I said, look. He said, let me check into it. So he called He called out uh, the TV guide, and he said, well, we don't have room to put outdoors <laughs> with Bill Dance. I said, well, we're going to change the name. And he said, what do you mean? I said, change it to Bill Dance Outdoors. So they flip-flopped it, and now it said Bill Dance. And so we changed, we changed our name from Outdoors with Bill Dance to Bill Dance Outdoors. But anyway, the... Uh, to getting people, uh, guests, you know, to line up, you know, on, on Bill Dance Outdoors, uh, we'd have entertainers. And whether it be of football players, baseball players, country western entertainers, that there's tons of them that love to, to, to fish. Well, the strength of our, of our show has been in our educational format. But when you can entertain and educate at the same time, you've got the best part of both worlds. And the education is the key. People want to be educated. Why are you fishing 20 feet of water on this particular lake with this particular bait at this particular time of the year? Now, it will apply in your lake at this time of year at this water temperature. You can do this. This is something you can do. Not in the spring, not in the summer, but this time next year in the winter. You can do this on your lake. So the the educational end of it. So I got to thinking, I said, I can't get all this education in when I have guests. If I'm by myself, I can get more education in. So I script every show. Wow. And I, I'll have a script, and I put everything I want to in that education, in that script. And when I shoot a piece, I time code it. I ask the cameraman, time code? And I'll write that time code down, and I'll put it on that script. Two cameramen, other cameraman, he'll write it on his time code. So I know I've got that. Now, when I have a guest, when I had guests a lot, whether it be a, a Terry Bradshaw or it be a Mel Tillis or it be a Loretta Lynn or whoever it would be in, in that field, uh, I, can't, I can't be educational. It can be entertaining, you know, but it can't be educational. So well, I got to looking at rating numbers. What do people want? Do they want to see Terry Bradshaw acting silly or talking about Terry? And Terry was a great guest. I did six or seven shows with Terry uh, or Mel Tillis or, or Roy Clark, whoever the entertainer was. Or do they want the education? They want the education. So... Me being by myself, 
there's nobody there to talk to except that camera. <laughs> and, and, and I catch a fish. I, I may talk to the fish. I said, well, you know, you know, how you doing today? Uh, turn your face around. Let me get the hook out. You know, um, oh, you look fat. You look you've been healthy. You've been eating. You've been eating shad. You know, and I, I'm talking to it. You need to brush your teeth. Whatever. Yeah. You know, and I talk to the fish a little bit because there's nobody else to talk to except. And then I said, but you, you notice one thing about this particular fish. You see the black blotch on him? That's the result. That's in pigmentation. And I'll talk about that, how that's formed. Or I'll talk something about educational fact about that fish. But it's it's all about education. Now, we're presenting something to DU today, and I wrote tidbits, quack bits. <laughs> about educational stuff about ducks. I don't know a whole lot about ducks, but there are educational things about ducks. Yeah. Like, That's awesome. why are ducks banded? Where are ducks banded? Mm-hmm. How long does it take a duck to fly from Canada to Mexico? And how they get there? What's the most popular duck? How long do ducks live? How fast can a duck fly? These are interesting tidbits. You I know. think Dr. Mike Brazier can answer all those questions <laughs> right now. <laughs> and uh, and I, I wrote about 30 of them yeah. uh, for our social media mm-hmm. about ducks. And uh, that I was going to uh, – Dick's yeah. been one uh, yeah. we've been talking about doing. But there's just a bunch of tidbit stuff. But it's educational yeah. stuff. And I think that people like that. Absolutely. You know, what's the most popular duck in, in North America? Mallard. Right. The, no, it's not the wood duck. Yeah. Oh, we have a debate already. We have a debate. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm asking you. Would you mind telling me? No, but but uh, it's, it, it's, it's education, and I think that's what people like to like to hear. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. And what's the most popular worm hook? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, what's the most popular line? Is it monofilament? Is it braid? Is it fluorocarbon? Yeah. Uh, and a why? You don't just say what it is, yeah. but why is it? Yeah. And uh, that's been the strength of Bill Dance Outdoors has been is in our educational format. Mm-hmm. And I have people every day, well, that's not true, all the time, quite often, a lot, I should say, said, Bill, I like it because you tell people what you're doing and why you're doing it, why you're taking a medium action rod versus a light action rod for this particular thing, why you're doing this, why you're doing that. It, yeah. it helps. No, so. I mean, that, 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 and that's, you know, we do that with the podcast, with, you know, um, we do species profiles where we talk about, and I mean, we really dive into like the mallard or the gadwall. Sure, and, and people eat those up. And it's the same thing. It's educational. And that really kind of leads me to our next question. And this is a big topic for Ducks Unlimited, obviously, and, and really the entire outdoor industry. Well, do, you, do you know, what I brought up, bass and ducks go hand in hand. Oh, absolutely. They go together. The, the aquatic do. vegetation mm-hmm. and how how bass relate to the same types. You're looking at, you're looking ahead at some of our future questions. Yeah, here. getting all of our questions. <laughs> oh, really? Habitat types. You know how they blend together. Yeah. But you know, one yeah. one that one thing. I mean, like you said, this whole educational process, which we are very much all ingrained in. Um, but you know, influencing the youth in the outdoors. Sure. Um, you have played a massive role in that, obviously. Um, 
one of the questions we had here was, you know, we're kind of pointing out the fact that that you were an influencer before the term influencer ever came up. You know, now you have Instagram influencers and whatever, but you were the original influencer. And and when did you recognize that you had, you know, that capability to reach not only fishermen, like you say, from an educational perspective, but also the youth and to get them motivated in the outdoors? And, and really, you know, how important was that as Bill Dance Outdoors went on? Well, you know, we're not trying to impress anybody how many fish we catch 30 minutes of television because you only see just a small percentage of those. We pick our best shots or we pick the shots relating to what we're talking about, uh, but more so from the educational standpoint. Uh, that 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 We've been doing that since we started 56 years ago wow. when we first started doing outdoor programming. And we tried to do art, and then we, we then we tried to do our graphics and stuff. And uh, the advantage that we have, we can take video, and we can show. I've got an advantage that I can what I'm talking about. I can show it, mm-hmm. or I can. The picture's worth a thousand words. Action is worth a thousand words. When I can say uh, how to set the hook, I can say. You maintain about six to seven pounds of hook setting pressure. And here's how you set the hook. Well, you set it with, if I can, I'm sitting here telling you, but if I can show you, it, I get the point across 10 times better, mm-hmm. you know, but where, where, you're, where you maintain your maximum pounds of hook setting pressure. If you'll see, you know, watch this. And then I actually show it. And then I show it in slow motion. But I can show it better than I can tell it. And that's the advantage of I can show it on social media with a a, a clip or I can show it on TV with a clip. So that's been been a tremendous tool for us, a tremendous tool for us. But go ahead. You were going to say something about ducks and bass. Yeah, I think we'll get into that here in just a few minutes. We have a number of other questions for you, Bill. But at this point, we've been going for about 45 minutes. And so we're going to split this conversation into two episodes. So we'll bring you back, get into these other, a whole host of other questions. And, but for now, we'll wrap it up. I'll thank you, Bill, for joining us. Thanks for sharing your time. Thanks to my co-host, Chris Jennings. As always, we thank our producer, Chris Isaac, for the great work that he does, as well as you, the listener. We thank you for being the most important part of this. And please join us on episode two with Bill Dance. Thank you for listening to this episode of the DU Podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show. And visit www.ducks.org slash DU Podcast for resources based on today's topics, as well as access to more episodes. Opinions expressed by guests do not necessarily reflect those of Ducks Unlimited. Until next time, stay tuned to the Ducks. You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why Pro Plan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com.